This is Jeffrey Kerr. It's been a few months since I last did an update on what I've been up to during this time of the COVID-19 crisis, so I decided to give you guys another one. In this update, I'll be letting you all in the know of what I've been watching, specifically giving some quick reviews of some movies that have been released this year so far. On June 10th, I watched the new movie Shirley on Hulu. Shirley follows a young couple that moves in with author Shirley Jackson and her Bennington College professor husband Stanley Hyman in hopes of starting a new life. Instead, they find themselves fodder for a psychodrama that inspires Jackson's next major novel. The film was directed by Josephine Decker, and I found it to be a tense biographical film that uniquely comes across more as a horror movie. Not to mention that it's able to end on what I found to be such an emotionally moving finale. Incredible performance from Elizabeth Moss in what I think might be her best work yet. While I don't usually like to make any Oscar predictions this early in the year, I think she at least deserves to be in the conversation for a Best Actress nomination, though it will probably be a matter of how older Academy members will respond to this film. Also great are Michael Stuhlbarg and Logan Lerman. However, the standout to me is Odessa Young, who I've literally never even heard of before prior to this. So for those interested in watching Shirley, again, it is available to stream on Hulu. On June 12th, I watched The Five Bloods on Netflix. In The Five Bloods, four African-American Vietnam veterans return to Vietnam. They are in search of the remains of their fallen squad leader and the promise of buried treasure. These heroes battle forces of humanity and natural while confronted by the lasting ravages of the immorality of the Vietnam War. While The Five Bloods does take time to tell its story, director Spike Lee is at least able to keep things intense, moving, and entertaining throughout. I hope the whole cast gets a SAG nomination for Best Ensemble later this year because everyone in this movie gives terrific performances, though Delroy Lindo is definitely the standout. I also liked how the cinematography alternated between aspect ratios. I thought that was pretty neat. And credit must go to the cinematographer Newton Thomas Siegel for that. So for those interested in watching The Five Bloods, again, it's available to stream on Netflix. On July 8th, I watched the most recent film adaptation of H.G. Wells' The Invisible Man that was released earlier this year. I finally got around to it. This version follows a woman who believes she is being stalked by her abusive and wealthy boyfriend after his apparent suicide. She ultimately deduces that he has acquired the ability to become invisible. I'm not familiar with the original story by H.G. Wells at all, so I went into this movie with a completely blank slate. While the film can be a bit of a slow burn, director Lee Whannell very successfully approaches the story with so much tension. In fact, The Invisible Man, in my opinion, also works very well as a murder mystery. The musical score by Benjamin Wolfish perfectly elevates the emotions and intensity we the audience experience with the characters. And Elizabeth Moss might as well be considered the new screen queen at this point with her big screen performances in this and Shirley as well as us from last year. So for those interested in watching The Invisible Man, it is available to rent on all different services such as Amazon and iTunes, etc. On July 14th, I watched Palm Springs on Hulu. 
In Palm Springs, when carefree Niles and reluctant maid of honor Sarah have a chance encounter at a Palm Springs wedding, things get complicated as they are unable to escape the venue themselves or each other. The film was directed by Max Barbaco. Full-fledged comedies aren't usually my personal cup of tea. The concept of an average man reliving the exact same day over and over again isn't anything new at this point, but I actually really enjoyed Palm Springs. I thought Andy Samberg and Kristen Milioti both shared great chemistry together, had great comic timing, and great character arcs as well. Not to mention that the editing by Andrew Dickler and Matthew Friedman is also quite terrific. So for those interested in watching Palm Springs, it's available to stream on Hulu as well. If any of you are also interested in keeping track of the movies I've been watching, you can follow me on Letterboxd at Jeffrey Care. Before we go, I'd like to take this moment to remember some industry veterans we've lost within these past couple of weeks. Normally, I do this as the final subject of my News of the Month series, but since we've already had so many celebrity deaths, I thought it would be a good idea to acknowledge those right now. That way, if we get any more within the next couple of weeks, they'll get their own acknowledgement. Actor Nick Cordero died following a three-month battle with the coronavirus on July 5th at the age of 41. After having made his New York stage debut off-Broadway in a stage musical adaptation of The Toxic Avenger, Nick Cordero went on to make his Broadway debut in 2012 when he joined the cast of Rock of Ages as Dennis Dupree, which he had previously played on tour. In 2014, he cuts the attention of everyone in the industry with his Tony-nominated performance as Cheech in the stage musical adaptation of the 1994 Woody Allen film Bullets Over Broadway. Nick then went on to originate the roles of Earl and Waitress and Sonny, another character that was previously portrayed on screen by Chaz Palminteri in A Bronx Tale. My condolences go out to his wife, Amanda Klutz, who happens to be a fellow Northeast Ohioan like me, and infant son, Elvis. The legendary Oscar-winning composer Ennio Morricone died as a result of injuries he received during a fall on July 6th at the age of 91. Over the years, he wrote music in such a wide variety of styles and has been regarded as one of the greatest and most influential film composers of all time. He scored so many classic spaghetti westerns as well as films in other genres such as 1982's The Thing, 1987's The Untouchables, 1991's Bugsy, and 1993's In the Line of Fire. At the 79th Academy Awards in 2007, Clint Eastwood presented Ennio Marconi with an honorary Oscar for his magnificent and multifaceted contributions to the art of film music. Though nine years later, he finally won himself a competitive Oscar in the category of Best Original Score on what was his sixth and final nomination in that category for his work on Quentin Tarantino's 2015 western The Hateful Eight. My condolences go out to his family. Actress Kelly Preston, who was married to actor John Travolta for nearly 29 years, died following a two-year battle with breast cancer on July 12th at the age of 57. My condolences definitely go out to John as well as everyone else in her family, especially given a lot of the hurdles they've been through in the past. Like when John and Kelly's son, Jet Travolta, very tragically died while they were on vacation in the Bahamas on January 2nd, 2009 at the age of 16. 
Actress Naya Rivera, who was best known for her role as Santana Lopez on the hit Fox television series Glee, was found dead in Lake Peru near Santa Clarita, California, on July 13th at the age of 33. About five days prior, she was declared a missing person after her four-year-old son, Josie, was found alone in Naya's rented boat at the lake. She is now the third Glee alumni to have had their life cut short way too soon. First, Corey Monteith, who died on July 13, 2013, at the age of 31. Then Mark Saling, who died on January 30, 2018, at the age of 35. Naya's death in particular almost feels reminiscent of what happened to Natalie Wood when she was found dead at the age of 43 in the Pacific Ocean back in 1981. My condolences definitely go out to everyone in Naya's family, especially her four-year-old son, Josie. Author Joanna Cole died of idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis on July 12th at the age of 75, which is very unfortunate timing because in my previous episode, I reported the news of Universal Pictures developing a live-action animated hybrid film adaptation of her beloved series of children's books, The Magic School Bus. My condolences go out to her family as well. In fact, if there's any parents out there listening to this right now who's currently looking for something to do with their young children at a time like this, I recommend they read the original Magic School Bus books to them or watch the animated series adaptation from the 1990s on Netflix. So that just about does it for this update. I'll be back in two weeks for a very special edition of News of the Month. If you like what you've heard here, please subscribe to wherever you get this podcast. Feel free to rate and or review this show on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to find more content from me, please visit my website, which is www.carereviews.net. You can also find it on Twitter at CareReviews and me at Jeffrey Care. Thanks for listening, and I will see you all later. Thank you.